Anime Death Spiral, you know what it is, Anime Death Spiral. This is the only anime podcast that knows what shadows lurk in the hearts of men, and you know what, we are talking about everything anime. Is that is that correct, Nate? That is correct, Remy. So, I've noticed there's a lot of fear online about um, some upcoming anime shit. Uh, that's all over the place, and obviously, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about one of the one of the most important animes of our time, I think. Uh, Resident Evil. You're familiar with this series, correct? Oh boy, am I familiar with Resident Evil. Resident Evil is one of my favorite anime. Oh, it's uh, absolutely one of my favorite anime. You know, a lot of people are talking about Resident Evil online. You know, everyone's talking about it. Uh, it's it's huge in the news. It's all over Twitter. So I thought to myself, like, I got to get into this. I want I want to see what's up with this whole new thing. So um, you know, I went ahead and did it. I downloaded the thing. I got into it, and I want to talk about it because I'm really excited. Resident Evil Revelations. Tell what what is Revelations? I'm unfamiliar. Um, Revelations is the new thing that everybody is talking about right now. This is uh, the story of Jill and Chris hanging out on a steam liner and having fun with uh, quote-unquote zombies. Oh, uh, I thought that was called, like, Dead Island or something. <laughs> no, Dead I- no, Dead Island is very famously on an island, my man. <laughs> as, a, as a Resident Evil uh, potential completist, uh, I, I was really excited to get into this uh, great Resident Evil uh, franchise entry uh, that everybody else is excited about. I was excited about it. I was really uh, pleasantly surprised to discover that everything I love about Resident Evil is really nicely encapsulated in this game. Just stupid as fuck dialogue that you'd expect from any Resident Evil game. Just absolutely the most cringeworthy, awful writing. It's got really annoying uh, <laughs> gameplay elements that are truly completely unnecessary. Uh, really overly extra parts uh, adds no value to the uh, game, but is confusing to the audience. Wait, like, wait, wait, wait! So is this the um, these particular parts? Is this the one about like like an underwater city and fish people? There is a, a city, the city of the future. Now this is funny. Uh, basically, the Resident Evil version of uh, Saudi Arabia's Neom. It's <laughs> it's called. Terra Grigia. But the FBC gets involved in the city of Terra Grigia, the, the floating city of the future. Um, and as, uh, you know, uh, what any future city in a Resident Evil game is wont to do, uh, it suffers from a B.O.W. Uh, attack. Uh, Terra, Terra Grigia, now, <laughs> as everything that happens in Resident Evil is immediately memory hold. So if you've played any of the other Resident Evil games, you've never heard of this place and you never will. Uh, Terra Grigia gets fucking like hand of Goded uh, by the solar nuke system floating above uh, the Earth. Also memory hold, you'll never hear about that in another Resident Evil game, uh, even though it's clearly the, the best possible solution to any P-O-W- B-O-W outbreak, excuse me. So the city of the future gets immediately nuked <laughs> by by this uh, uh, solar cannon, basically, um, under the FBC's watch. Mm-hmm. We cut to, uh, to uh, another memory hold thing. Uh, <laughs> Clive O'Brien, the head of the BSAA, who is um, essentially Columbo. <laughs> He's just Columbo. Right. Uh... But he's, um... Does he say, uh, uh, one more thing? Hey, 
One more thing before I go. No, but he does mumble. I mean, he really does the Columbo mumble thing. Does he have the big jacket? He has the big jacket, yes. He has the crumpled look of the big jacket. Anyway, this is a really interesting Resident Evil game because, uh, like I said, you're playing as Jill and Parker and uh, a series of duos, actually, even though this game, uh, despite like pivoting to a co-op framework for like, you know, five and six, uh, and apparently Rev 2, which I haven't played, this game is all duos, no co-op. Baffling. Because we're working with, check this out, Jill and Parker. We're hanging out with Chris and Jessica. And we're hanging out with new, new to the series uh, BSA agents, Quint. Wait, hold on. The, the, the ocean-themed Resident Evil game has a character named Quint? It does. Uh, sorry, Quint Ketchum and <laughs> Keith Lumley. Excuse me. <laughs> that, what? Yes. Quint Ketchum. Quint Ketchum and Keith Lumley, and they go by the code names Breaker and Jackass. Uh, I think his name's Breaker. Whatever. Um, and Quint is the guy uh, in the horror movie who constantly makes references to other horror movies. That's the, the what, basically the last 15 years of horror movies? 20. Uh, I don't know. When did Scream come out? <laughs> 96. 96, baby. There you go. Besides the very weirdly uh, uncanny Columbo appearance, there also is uh, a character named Raymond Vester. Terrible. God, terrible name. Who is just Crispin Glover. He's tall. He's lanky. He's very skinny. Incredibly angular features. He's always furrowing his brow. He's kind of has like the stuttering uh, speech pattern thing. Uh, he's kind of a sad sack. Well, you see, what's th- actually uh, what's throwing me off, what I think really defeats your comparison here, is that he <laughs> has a very confident stature. You know, he's like, he's taking a, a strut forward. He has his hand on his hip. Um, you know, he's got a, a chest a strap with a holster and a gun, and he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Um, you oh, know, yeah. He's he's confident. What he's lacking is Crispin Glover's signature uh, Max Shrek like hunch over. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, like a, pred- a predator a uh, predator trying to corner <laughs> its prey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. He's less like that in motion. You know, he is. He has a little bit more of the Crispin Glover slump in yeah. motion. But you know, when they take these uh, publicity photos of the characters, they're always slaying. They got to slay. Sure. You know, they're putting on their best, uh, putting their best foot forward. Yeah. Uh, you, you see Leon in those in those posters, and he's he's just fucking posing up a storm. You know it. He's going for it. Oh, I don't think I see Leon as much as Leon sees Leon, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I don't. But uh, moving on from <laughs> Crispin Glover. <laughs> uh, this game is uh, very, very strange um, because we had spent... Basically, since 3, moving steadily away from the Resi 1 uh, and Resi 2 formula, you know what I'm talking about. We we lose sort of the explorable, backtracking environments. We lose sort of the much slower-paced combat 
and uh, running out of ammo, running out of inventory space, all that kind of stuff kind of slowly gets sidelined as the series goes on. Um, But it all comes back for this game. You're in a big ship, you're exploring it, you're unlocking keys that allow you different access to different levels of the ship, Uh, you have to balance your guns, you have to balance your ammo because it's all scarce and you can only hold so much. There is a new mechanic where you, like, almost uh, kind of Metroid prime you, like, scan enemies. Though the only okay. benefit you get is if you scan enough of them, you get a greener. Well, you know, uh, 2012, scanning enemies and, like, doing the detective vision thing, uh, that was all the rage. And it's uh, it's been cemented in modern game design basically since then. Was there a lot of that back then? I'm trying to... I'm failing to come up with an... I mean, I I agree with you. I'm trying to come up with another example where you scanned enemies. Uh, Witcher 2, baby. Oh, shit. Wow. That game really slipped out of my memory. Uh, You know, it gets overlooked quite a bit by the one good uh, title in the series. Yeah, the first one. Hey-o! We'll get hey no we, we some other day we can we can really get into that but I am not joking. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is a, such a strange throwback, uh, especially in in my in my like I said completest uh, brain damage <laughs> that I kind of th- thought about like going back and playing one just to be like wait. This is what Resident Evil was, right? Like, I mean, one is rough. I, if I can make a suggestion, I would do the GameCube remake of one. Um, do you remember that one? Did I never play played that? the GameCube remake of one. It was good. It was a very faithful remake, um, just yeah. with updated graphics. You know, they uh, kind of did the same thing they did with Metal Gear Solid, you know, where they did a remake of the first one. Uh, <clears throat> to simultaneous release with a uh, current uh, entry into the franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. So they did the remake of Resi 1 for GameCube uh, either shortly before or shortly after uh, the release of 4, which was like the big one. I assume you're playing Revelations because of the impending uh, release of the 4 remake, which is a Resident Evil game that people actually care about. Uh, well, I mean, now that you mention it, yes, I do think I have heard, uh, something about this, uh, almost 20-year-old game getting another one of these tired remakes. Um, if people don't remember, uh, Resident Evil 4 was, uh, a GameCube Resident Evil release. It is notable for being one of the only GameCube games where you could, uh, murder old ladies and children. I think that's mostly what people remember it for. And this is what made it your favorite game, right? I, I think that's what, uh, you mentioned to me. This is kind of cemented it into your, uh, pantheon of games, <laughs> uh, was killing people's grandmas, right? Yeah, no, um, I think you <laughs> remembered that one correctly. Just absolutely eviscerating babushkas with a fucking assault weapons and shit, right? I mean, <laughs> I think that's what everybody kind of remembers from that game. Absolutely. You know, what more could a 14-year-old want? Exactly. And so for for whatever perverted reason, they've decided that that's something we need uh, in this exact moment of time. So yeah, they're remaking this game, huh? Yeah, if you haven't heard, it's kind of the popular one. 
Uh, I think it's a bit of an underrated title, uh, if I can throw that term around. <laughs> okay, you all right. Gotta disagree. I, I've reached my limit. Can we drop the irony veil? <laughs> <laughs> what irony? <laughs> you like this one uh, more than the other ones for some reason. That's true. That is not ironic. No, that is not ironic. I think that that is also not a controversial opinion. I think that uh, it's it's the popular belief that Resident Evil as a franchise went downhill uh, as it attained more anime-like <laughs> qualities post the release of, of Resident Evil 4. Why don't you tell us uh, what you liked about Resi 4 and then tell us why you think uh, anyone should care about this remake. How about that? <laughs> I mean, okay, what did I like about Resi 4? Yeah, um, what, what was good about that game? If I'm talking from the perspective of the me who played it for the first time, teenage yeah, me. Yeah, that, that might be good uh, <laughs> I, from your perspective. Uh, I liked that it was, um, uh, it had kung fu kicks, Hell which is yeah. cool. That is cool. Uh, it had uh, exploding headshots. You know, you get a you get a, a scanner's explosion every time you pop a good one, baby. Absolutely, as I mentioned, uh, taking Magnum straight to Abuela. It's it had sweet one-liners. Oh, very sweet, <laughs> the sweetest. It had uh, intrigue and sexiness. I would I would venture to say that it is probably the sexiest uh, Resident Evil. Oh, you haven't played Revelations, baby. Oh no! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You got to see Jessica's wetsuit at some point. I'll just leave it there. Uh, and it had a ruthlessly addictive gameplay loop, especially in the in the mercenaries mode. I know you played a bunch of that too. Like that was that was good dopamine delivery. Sure, sure. It had it had numbers that went up. It had levels, it had rewards, it had secret rewards, Definitely. Uh, which, as we all know, are the best kind. Oh, hidden rewards? Hell yeah. Yeah. Collecting gems for some reason to trade for secret items and weaponry? I mean, that is just pure dopamine. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's why I liked it, because uh, uh, it was designed um, on a committee level for someone like me to like it. <laughs> I liked it because I was 15 years old and it had a lot of violence. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I, that was that's good shit. Uh, but now I am not 15 years old. Why should I like give a shit that they're making this game again? Especially in this time where we're getting all these fucking that we are post Dead Space remake. Um, a, a, a almost I would say objectively inferior release of that game. Uh, and it's not alone. Uh, I would have to pull up the list, but uh, it is in bad company. So what? What the fuck? What? What are they doing here? Um, I don't know. It's an interesting take because I think that it made sense to do the remakes of the PlayStation One titles two and three. I think that those games were notably suited to being remade because. Uh, they have the the janky camera system. Yep. They have the dated graphics. Oh, yeah. They have uh, the bad voice acting. Yep. And all of that stuff is stuff that has been improved immeasurably in every subsequent Resident Evil title. Hard to and I will that. say that even for the for the bad ones, you know, five and six. Yes. <laughs> 
if anything, they did have better graphics and uh, better voice acting than previous titles. I'm yes, not also, commenting on the writing. Well, yeah. Also, uh, notably, like pretty hard to play on uh, modern systems. Like you can't just really go get the original two and three and just sit down and play them right now. No, you can't. You have to either, you know, have a legally obtained ROM. Which everyone has. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody rips their own PS1 and PS2 games, right? <laughs> uh, I did. That's absolutely oh. how I got all of my ROMs. Because I owned all that- of the games and I ripped them onto my computer myself. I also ripped all of my games legally. <laughs> but this is not true for Resident Evil id 4 in any way. Uh, how many how many releases have you personally bought of Resident Evil Four? Oh no, um, you're making expose me expose yourself. You're making me expose myself. Uh, expose well, yourself. I bought the special edition on PS2 when that was originally right. released when I was in high school. I never had a GameCube, so that was the version that I got to play first. And mm-hmm. then I bought a, a Steam version. And then I bought the HD Steam version, and then I bought a, a PS4 uh, HD release, so I could play it on my PlayStation in the living room. Of um, course. I think that's it. I think that's all of my copies. Yeah. You only bought this game four times? I know. Uh, wow. It, I'm a lightweight, really, when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, certainly you could have bought uh, the deluxe version on Steam as well. I I could have done that. Yeah, and if you had a PS5, there is a there is also a PS5 version, uh, which I think is identical to the PS4 version. But uh, you can buy it again. All I can say is it, it's hitting like Skyrim territory. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, these are all funding these these new releases, right? These other remakes, I guess so, uh, and also seven and eight. <laughs> You don't think uh, they're still banking on all that Resi 6 money? <laughs> uh, uh, having just recently played Resi 6 for the first time, I would say no, no. That's probably... Um, probably not. Yeah, I would say they're probably losing money via lawsuits somewhere. Uh, I would uh, I would personally be spending a lot of money to bury that game, but that's just that's just me. <laughs> buying up the copies and burying them literally well i think the biggest loss to the franchise is that we're never going to figure out what happens to wesker's son i mean i can i can only hope that they wrap up that thread of the multiple resident evil plot lines that uh, are just kind of floating out there i really need to know what happened to jacob i would really like to know who leon's best friend is now that the president is dead i mean that's an open spot that is probably the most pressing question in the series we know it's not chris it's definitely not Chris. They don't really like they each other. They don't like each other very much. Uh, they have a weird vibe together. That's all I got to say. Well, you see, they have uh, a, a national election every four years to see who's going to be Leon's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whose daughter he has to rescue next. <laughs> so they're making this remake. Uh, uh, people are already pissed off, obviously, as uh, they would obviously be. Um, they're selling costume packs for Ashley already, and uh, everyone's complaining because she's not sexy anymore. Uh, she's actually just cringe. Uh, not based, just cringe. <laughs> I will be spending the money to buy these things, even though I'm pretty sure I'll hate them. Uh, I must seriously be deranged. Uh, I definitely think that you shouldn't be spending money on that. <laughs> 
You don't think I should buy the the emo teen Ashley costume? Oh wait, hold up. What? <laughs> oh, you haven't seen. Okay, so I maybe I shouldn't have brought these up. Maybe yeah, I spoke too a, soon. <laughs> yeah, the, I guess don't tempt the devil. Yeah, this could have been a nice surprise for you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to uh, spoil that. Uh, there was uh, an emo teen costume for Ashley. Uh, very authentic. I will. I will add like some serious 2005 hot topic vibes. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> hey, how about uh, how about we take a break so I can catch up on these costume releases? Okay. All and, right. Uh, when we get, when we get back, we can talk about some anime. Sure, sure. That's fine. Uh, enough about my favorite anime, Resident Evil. I guess we'll we'll have more to say about Resi 4 Remake, I assume, when it comes out. We'll, we'll come back. We'll revisit this costume thing when uh, we have our hands on it. How about that? It'll most likely leach into the conversation, I'm betting. I'm sure it'll be hard to not bring it up. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break. All right. Wow, Nate, I, I think um, it's time to move on to maybe some uh, some anime. What do you think? Uh, I would like that, seeing as it's the premise of the show. Yeah, um, so I've been reading a lot of anime, uh, as usual. Is uh, I, I've been thinking about uh, trying to kind of round my, my personal library out a little bit. You know, I want to be reading contemporary stuff. I have my poll box of, of things that are going on right now, but I also want to be going back to the... Uh, you know, the early 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, uh, you know, get my, my personal canon uh, in order. You know what I mean? Well, you know, you have to have, like, your your personal uh, list ready to go to, like, flip out when people put you on the spot, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, if, uh, if, you're, uh, if you get called out on the street um, and they demand your top 10, uh, it can't all be, like mid 2000s shit you have to throw in uh you know something like like a early lupon or uh you know something from osama tezuka or something like that for a little bit of street cred if someone asks what's your favorite ghibli film you say uh the castle of cagliostro oh wait yeah or or grave of the fireflies because then you sound like a really cool dude you're so cool for watching that and I'm really cool because I, I went back and I read uh, a, an absolute stone-cold uh, horror manga classic, The Drifting Classroom by Umezu Kazuo. Have you ever heard of this? I have. I thought maybe maybe he did an adaptation. I thought that was a, a Junji Ito comic. It is not a Junji Ito comic. Oh, wait, hold on. Did you say, uh, what did you say the title was? The Drifting Classroom. Okay, he did. He must have done a play on that in one of his because he has a story called The Dissolving Classroom. Oh, it absolutely would have been a reference to this. Yeah, um, okay. This is an absolute monumental achievement in, in the horror. As I understand it, I'm not a historian. You can never uh, uh, accuse me of being uh, knowledgeable or <laughs> smart at any of this shit. Uh, I'm dumb as shit. But. I'm smart enough to read shit when people tell me it's good, and guess what? I fucking lucked out, because this one is fucking good. Uh, I mentioned um, I had read some Kanako Inuki last episode, and uh, she's one of the ones who could not stop talking about this, so I was like, I gotta get in there. And it is fantastic. It's got that 80s look to it. 
if you could picture sort of the Astro Boy look, that kind of era of manga. Sure. Um, very lots of rounded things. Uh, children who actually look like children, as opposed to now where they're all twenty-something children. This is a story about uh, a classroom uh, that just disappears one day uh, and reappears in the middle of an endless desert with uh, basically its entire class and staff in tow. Okay. And now we're kind of, it kind of feels like a setup sort of like... um, This sounds like the setup for a death game. It does kind of sound like a death game. I was going to say it is very kind of Lord of the Flies-y um, yeah. set up because almost immediately all the teachers, all the adults go insane and kill each other. Yeah, I'm immediately <laughs> getting like a like a man is the real monster kind of vibe. Sort of, yeah. Um, I would say uh, it, it definitely has elements of that. These kids have to kind of, at the beginning, kind of band together to survive. They, they have to scrape together everything in their school. Um, and start solving the, the mystery of what happened to them. And uh, let me tell you, if you think you have any idea of where that story goes, you are 100% wrong. It goes in basically every single time you think you have a handle on this story, it goes in the opposite direction, which I love. That's one of my favorite things when I just have no idea where we're going. As we're talking about crazy monsters, we're talking about uh, impossible physics. We're talking about time travel. We're talking about uh, <laughs> psychics. We're talking about all all the Im- absolutely amazing, insane shit you would expect from like a horror manga from the eighties. The drifting classroom ran from nineteen seventy two to nineteen seventy four. Dummy. Uh, except weirder and less predictable. The art is absolutely fantastic. Again. Um, you can see the the influences being poured into uh, Kaneko uh, Inuki's work. She's like really riffing on this shit very hard. Lots of children who are like aghast, mouth open, sweating profusely at like everything. They're constantly exclaiming out loud about crazy shit they're seeing. It's all the good shit. Uh, there's absolutely deranged people on every page. It's just truly fantastic this thing is only like 42 chapters too so this is uh you know relatively short you can you can work through it you know in a day or two if you if you really like it and get okay you know that's uh you know being a reasonable length that's always a good selling point (laughs) yeah this is obviously uh foundational to the horror manga at at large Uh, you know i'm again I'm not a historian, and I am not the most well-rounded reader, but uh, I've read a fair amount of horror manga, and it's not just Junji Ito out here, man. There's a there's a lot of other people doing the shit. That's pretty. That sounds pretty sweet. You know, as you know, I am adverse to uh, any kind of like uh, classroom trauma stories, since a DVD copy of Battle Royale broke my laptop when I was in high school. So I've been playing it super safe ever since then and just staying away from the genre in general, but I might give this one a try. Okay, well, what if I told you uh, these are uh, uh, junior high schoolers, not high schoolers? Oh, well, that makes it even better. Yeah, yeah, that's better, right? <laughs> uh, sixth grade down. No no high schoolers. All right, well, uh, yeah, screw them. <laughs>
Yeah, I that is, I, you know, I like to keep it positive uh, on the show, at least as positive as I could be. But I did also want to talk and kind of extend our our section from the last episode about um, shame. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, because that's not the only thing I I read recently, and this is uh, a problem that happens to me a lot because uh, as you know, I, I've probably mentioned too many times at this point, I am a fairly prolific manga reader, uh, so I get around. And I end up reading a lot of shit that I like, despite pretty bad things. Um, it happens to all of us, but uh, I just want to step in real quick and just let you know, uh, and the listener, our dear friend, know that this is a safe space. This is, there's no judgment here. You know, uh, it's it's not about shame. Uh, I just want you to be able to get it off your chest. Sure, we're so uh, <laughs> we're gonna kind of step into the confessional. Look, I, I, I have particular beliefs about art, and you know, <laughs> uh, a piece of art is just a piece of art. It can have complications. Uh, I think we should be adult enough to deal <laughs> with those complications. That being said, I did uh, catch up on Made in Abyss <laughs> recently, and uh, boy. Um, the complications make it uh, 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 pretty hard to make it through. I, I got to be honest. Uh, if you're not familiar with Made in Abyss, this is uh, a manga about little kids uh, pissing themselves. <laughs> and not in a goofy way like uh, uh, another manga <laughs> series I'm reading about a girl who pisses herself. <laughs> yes, there's more than one. Uh, this is one where the pissing themselves is taken very seriously. Uh, there's no goofs involved in the little kids pissing themselves in this manga. It makes me very uncomfortable every time it happens, and uh, it really doesn't let up. It's like chapter one on. It kind of just keeps happening. Uh, there's other things, too. There's like a fantasy world that they, they're diving through this fantasy hole, and there's all these fantasy monsters, it's, and they're going on a big epic adventure to find a little girl's mother who's lost in a fantasy land. You know the whole thing. But primarily it's about bodily functions of, you know, 10 to 13-year-olds. <laughs> uh, there is nothing metaphorical about kids climbing into a big hole. Don't even start. There, there's. It's not that deep. The hole is deep, but don't think about it too much. Uh, you cannot read manga metaphorically. You cannot read in a narrative mode. You have to take everything literally or you will go insane. <laughs> um, so then why do you feel bad about reading this? Okay, so here, here's my, here's my, my thing about Made in Abyss. It is beautiful you're a fan of the art the art is almost every page has something that is just uh absolutely stunning the art is fantastic i mean the level of detail put into everything in this like creepy freaky world is great the amount of imagination on display is fantastic the and the the artist uh slash writer uh, has incredible narrative instincts like We've talked and we'll continue to talk about the problems that kind of hound uh, serialized narrative. Um, but somebody who has the ability to continually uh, surprise and intrigue you even after 
uh, what did we get to? Uh, maybe 60, 70 issues or something. And it still feels fresh and interesting. And there's still things that are happening and catching you off guard is pretty special. I, most books really don't do that. And this one does it all the time. Uh, there are choices here that are just absolutely staggering. Uh, and I honestly, am, I'm totally hooked. The weird bodily function shit is very off-putting, but apparently not off-putting enough uh, to kick me out of this series. And so I feel weird being into it. I really do. But, like, it has so many good things working for it. I, I can't I can't drop it. I can't. Bold words from a creepy pervert. Well, it's one of those things. It, fall, <laughs> it falls into that thing where it's like, I mean, this is not an uncommon uh, occurrence where you absolutely cannot recommend something to people. In fact, you'd rather them not know that you're even engaging with it at all. So I'm very brave. Obviously. I'm a very brave boy to tell you uh, my secret shames like this. Um, and, and I can't even, I can't even, even after all those admissions, I can't recommend it because th- that shit is probably very off-putting. Uh, the description you gave me just now with minimal details is incredibly off-putting. It is very off-putting. For, I just personally, like, when somebody runs across, like, the first instance of, uh, the stuff... Uh, it would immediate. They would immediately change their opinion of me. I I know that. I know that. I'm well aware, and I'm not even saying that's unjustified. <laughs> like that's the problem. <laughs> but personally, I just can't. I I think it's it has so many great things in it. Uh, and, and there's lots of series like this. I mean, we were talking about it. You had some too. Like what what were you reading that made you feel <laughs> funny inside? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, first of all, I want to be clear that uh, none of the stuff that I've been reading recently has any value, objectively. Um, it is... Oh, wow. <laughs> it's oh, all wow. just trash. It's just trash. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, but I did it under under the guise of important research. That's the important part. Okay, so uh, this isn't stuff you actually like. This is just research material. Yeah, let's go with that. Sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. That's fair. That's the veil I'm going to use for this conversation. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so, like, <laughs> what? What are we talking? So, I, I've noticed that there is a uh, trend in the current uh, catalog of romantic comedy manga of a theme, an overall theme of what I'm calling the introvert senpai uh, with the extrovert kohai. Absolutely. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, and in fact, uh, that particular genre has many subgenres, some of which have their own subgenres. Lots and lots and lots. Yeah. But I think it's a recent development where uh, it's it has become a main genre in s- itself instead of just a flavor of other subgenre, right? Oh, like, yeah. The ones that have caught my attention and seem to be the most... Uh, popular um mm-hmm. so i mean just going down a list here of what i wrote down we a have, whole list <laughs> yeah there's a there's a list there's a list and it's longer than what i've written down here in the notes wow um <laughs> uh, Play it on we me. have um sono bisque doll 
uh, or the uh, English translation is sometimes referred to as my dress up darling. All right. Give me give me the, the briefest summary and then why it's creepy. OK. Awkward college guy uh, who's into making dolls falls for uh, what do you what do you call her? What do you call him? Um, like delinquent girl. Right. Who's into cosplay. That's the basic premise. He likes making costumes for dolls. She likes cosplay and and they bond over this shared interest in costuming. OK, that is the that is the most sanitized uh, premise. Sounds cute. You know, it, it, it's it sounds cute. Um, you can imagine <laughs> how uh, there's lots of opportunity for. Uh, comedic misunderstanding of a uh, uh, to use a word that you use daily of a lewd nature. Oh god, I hate that word so much. <laughs> How does that manifest in in uh, Sono Biscuit all? Well, you know uh, the the obvious ones you would think of happen like uh, he has to take her measurements for a costume uh, that she wants him to make. Oh no. Uh, but he can't uh, get proper measurements if she has all of her clothes on. Uh, you can imagine how that goes down. Uh-oh. Oh um, god. And he acts he acts like like a normal person in that scenario, right? Oh no, he is a, a simpering mess. Oh god. Oh no. Yeah, no, he uh, breaks down uh, all of his base motor functions, cease to work uh-huh. at, like, being in the, initially, basically, at being in the same room as this uh, cute girl who is um, very obviously telegraphing her interest in him oh, no. as a person. Uh-oh. Because that is kind of the other, the one of the hard rules to, to all of these, is that the female lead has an aggressive pursuit, an aggressive romantic pursuit <laughs> of just, like, the most awkward, uh, unlikable, weird dude. Sure. Now we're getting into the details of the genus of this particular yes. uh, style of manga. I mean, you know, if we're, if we're putting it in a family going one level above, it would be like... Um, you know, uh, a subset of male power fantasy. Right, obviously. Right. Which is very ironic, right? Because, like, the male in these stories, only personality trait tends to be, like, constant flop sweat. Yeah, his his only personality traits are he cannot function around women, usually, like, just people in general, but especially around women. Uh, and he has an intent obsession with some kind of, like, granular hobby. Right. Right. Um, so in in the case of Sono Biskdal, he's his family makes, um, you know, traditional uh, Japanese figurines. Right. Like doll figurines. Um, Hana dolls, I think they're called. Right. I mean, I don't know, but sure. And he grew up uh, apprentice to his grandfather, who is a who would sew tiny clothes. Uh, and when he was like six, a girl made fun of him for it because he was like into dolls. Devastating. And she's like, you're a guy. You can't be into dolls. You're weird. Uh, and he was like, that's uh, OK. I guess I just won't tell anybody yeah. ever again about about this interest. He just be- he took it on faith. He just believed her completely. He was like, yeah, that she was correct. Oh, you you've read it. <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 no. Um, uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> you, you have a, uh, uh, a couple other examples, right? Uh, right. 
Yes, yes. So that's uh, that's the bear. That's the bear basics on that series. You know, he's a weird dude. He makes doll clothes. He uh, bonds with this uh, delinquent girl who this likes out, cosplay. This, this attractive, outgoing girl who doesn't ever yes. actually have any any specific reason she would be into him, but uh, it's uh, for whatever reason convenience brings them together. Yes. Yeah. Um, moving down the list, we have uh, Ijira Naide Nagatoro-san, or uh, Please Don't Bully Me Nagatoro. The currently infamous Nagatoro-san. Yes, uh, that one kind of is the, uh, um, I don't know, uh, is there a term in in evolutionary science for when an animal displays extreme versions of an adaptation uh, beyond the need for for the original purpose <laughs> something superfluous in how extravagant it it leans into yeah. its tropes yeah damn i wish we were smarter because that would be a really great poll <laughs> <laughs> uh this one is uh again about a shy uh nerdy high school student who's really into art obsessively so one would might say uh, isn't confident talking to other people and doesn't really have friends, uh, especially not confident talking to women, cannot function, has the flop sweat, right. uh, loses motor function. Yeah. And for some reason that I'm not sure that they've still gone into, into super detail on, he catches the attention of a uh, outgoing, energetic, uh, younger classman who has an aggressive romantic interest in him for reasons for some reason. And so her thing is that, uh, is that she's just really into making fun of him to the point that it, uh, quite obviously seems fetishistic at points. Sonobisky doll actually has the same thing, right? Where there is a, there to, to, to plumb the depths of, uh, gender comedy. We have uh, a sort of uh, gender swapped version of this, right? In Sonobisky Doll, she's she's like really into anime porn, and like that's one of her only characteristics. And in in yes, Nagatoro, yeah, that's one of her her things is that she's into Arrow, uh, yeah. like. Uh, romance games yeah yeah um and in nagatoro-san she's basically the elementary school kid who pulls the girl's pigtails that he likes right i mean that's basically it yeah yeah no that's uh if he's bullying you that means that he likes you but uh you know oh it's a girl this time it's a girl this time people it's a girl this time isn't that funny <clears throat> it is funny. It's hilarious, even. <laughs> oh, my God. And you know what? Uh, I'm seeing you put Tomo-chan on this list, and that is basically... That thing in, is the explicit premise of that show. Is <laughs> A girl is like a guy. So that one it, it tries to do a flip on the whole thing, where it is, uh, again, an energetic, outgoing female lead, aggressively pursuing uh, a male lead. But this time, he's not like a total social inept uh, you know loses all of his faculties at talking to a woman he's actually right. like kind of a regular dude he's just kind of like thick you know and he's, he doesn't he's, uh he doesn't pick up on stuff right and he's basically uh, a complete no one nothing right i mean he's basically like an outline of a human being his his main personality trait is that he's really into karate great cool yes uh, and that he's he's known Tomo-chan since they were little kids, 
and he didn't realize that she was a girl until they were in middle school. Now, how? Uh, because, how I is mean, that she, as a character, she's just very into wearing gender neutral or, or, or male clothing. Uh, she's the colloquial tomboy type. She doesn't use pronouns at all? No, no one ever used a pronoun around, around him? Ever? Even one time. Well, see, that's that's a, a quirk of the Japanese language. Uh, I don't speak Japanese. I know very little about it. Right. But uh, um, there are plenty of ways to refer to oneself gender neutrally uh, in Japanese. So it's one of those things that is totally possible to to not come up for little kids. I, I guess I'll 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 put put aside my incredulity for one second. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, you actually, you actually read this one or watch, you watch this one. I watched a few episodes of that one and I read, uh, a few of the chapters. Um, this one was actually, I was interested to find, and this doesn't really, uh, play much on any discussion in the genre overall, but I was interested to find out that Tomo-chan is a girl. The manga, uh, is probably the most different in adaptation to its anime, because it is literally like, um, first of all, uh, all of these I'm pretty sure started off as web comics, okay, um, which is an interesting point. And so many of them started off as like single panel or like four panel single page gag strips, which is what Tomo-chan as a girl still is. Yeah, not not uncommon these days. Uh, Meruka-chan, like I mentioned last time, also started as a four page Twitter post. Yes. And so uh, this is in the same vein. It's like, uh, you know, a four panel setup where it's just basically single gags and they do they have to like string these basically into a narrative for each episode. Right. Uh, From what I can tell, I only watched the first two episodes of the anime and I read the first, uh, I don't know, 25 or so uh, single like page strips. Okay. All right. Uh, it, it may develop into an actual narrative further down. Uh, I am unclear on that one, but the way that the chapters were divided in the app I used to read all of this stuff, uh, everything was a single page and there was like 900 chapters. Jesus Christ. Well, it's because it's calling each strip like its own chapter. Okay. So there's like 900 strips. Uh, that's still a lot. It's quite a bit. Yeah. But I I appreciate that one because it is definitely lower on the uh, uh, questionable content scale compared to the other two. Um, I would even describe it as downright innocent at times. Wow. Uh, Of course, uh, until you get to the many jokes about uh, her having cleavage when he forgets that she's a girl. Right, right. Because they have to immediately remind the audience. Yes. Yeah. can't, Can't have the audience forgetting. Yeah, you wouldn't want that. Okay, and you're going to continue with that one? Uh, I might. I mean, the concept is interesting just compared to everything else that I've written down here because it seems to be intentionally being like uh, a subversion of it. It's like, okay. Sure. uh, He's he's not a loser this time. He's a regular dude. He just like doesn't really get that she's into him. And that frustrates her. Can we get can we get a, a, a weather forecast on uh, like her coming out as trans at some point? <laughs> uh, I would say if it's going to happen, then it should have happened at the 400 page mark. 
if it doesn't happen by then, then they've wasted their time. It's a really, really late, late in the game <laughs> twist. <laughs> okay, all right. I would have been more interested if that had happened, but wh- whatever. The last one that I had written down in this kind of subgenre list here was Uzaki-chan wa Asobitai, or Uzaki-chan wants to hang out. Right. Um, which is kind of like the uh, punished version of of Tomo-chan, where it's doing the same thing of, all right, the guy in this one isn't a loser. He's like a regular dude, but uh, she's not like a tomboy or playing with any kind of gender stereotypes. She's just kind of like a girl who's aggressively into him, just like a regular girl. Sure. And it's funny because like girls aren't supposed to be like sexually aggressive. Uh, it's that, that is definitely a big aspect of it. The other funny part is that, uh, you see, she has giant breasts. Oh, she's got a huge rack. Yes. And that's like really funny. That's the, I would say about 95% of the humor. And they, all the jokes are because she has giant tits. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Um, and that also he finds it annoying that like, she doesn't let him have alone time. Like, his whole thing is that he's, like, he was a jock in high school, and they used to hang out, and then he went to college and got just, like, really into being by himself, uh, and he stopped going to swim meets. He was a swim guy. He, like, went to college and got really depressed? He didn't get depressed. No, he just, like, kind of stopped being as interested in sports. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's depression. Like, he, he does not have a personality. Suddenly giving up all your interests and wanting to be alone all the time, uh, not depression. No, totally no, I, I, I misrepresented it. It's not that he wanted to be alone all the time. It's just that he went to college and stopped being on the high school swim team and didn't join the college swim team. Okay. And so he just, like, he got less interested in his hobbies uh, and got more into playing video games even though he has, like, a job and he doesn't let it affect his studies. Man, I don't know. That still sounds like depression. <laughs> Getting really into Maybe. video games. Dropping all your, your responsibilities. Oh, I forgot I forgot one other aspect of his character that uh, much of the comedy is derived from is that allegedly he has uh, intimidating eyes. Like, that's his thing. You know, that is uh, not an uncommon thing too i think uh you know if this was like the mid 2000s we would call this resting bitch face yeah he definitely has resting bitch face yeah and much of the comedy is derived from people thinking that he looks like a yakuza dude or like a punk right because he looks angry all the time uh but then when he then you when you talk to him he's like super polite Right, and this is, uh, you know what, this is actually the premise for like three or four other comics that aren't breast-related um, that I've read. <laughs> uh, so uh, so uh, kind of aping that straight out of some other stuff. But can you give me like one example of like what a joke about giant tits is? Like what, what part of it is funny? <laughs> like even one. Well, oh, well, hold on, hold on. Do you want? Do we want to get into what is funny? No, just give me. Do you want me to tell you what they're posing as funny, or do you want me to tell you if anything actually landed <laughs> as a joke? I don't. I, it doesn't need to land. Can you just give me an example of like one of the gags that revolves around her having giant tits? Um, I'm just. I'm curious. I can't. I. It's hard for me to picture it. <laughs> uh, like uh, one of the one of the gags is um, she bugged him into going on a 
a day out with her on a weekend instead of staying in his his house to play a video game he wanted to play, right? Okay. As you do. Uh, and so she's like, all right, we'll, we'll go anywhere you want to go. He's like, all right, well, I want to go to the rock climbing gym because I haven't been working out recently and I want to get back into it. Okay. Uh, and the joke ends up being that uh, it is difficult for her to climb at the rock climbing gym because she has large breasts. And what is funny about that? <laughs> you tell me. I'm just telling you what uh, what is they it, posed is funny. Isn't that just a thing that happens to large-breasted women? Isn't that just kind of an annoyance of having large breasts? Uh, yes, but you see, as a, as, as a male reader... Uh, the humor is derived from you being unable to uh, relate to that. Do the large breasts interact with the climbing wall in like a funny way? Yes, uh, she is unable to reach uh, one of the climbing grips because her chest gets in the way, preventing her from reaching far enough. Uh, wow, really... <laughs> It's just really virtuoso stuff here, like really cutting edge. Um, Again, this is all research. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know what? I, I, I'm trying to understand this uh, this kind of subgenre more completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe someday there'll be a good one and uh, it'll be like a great find. It'll be a diamond in the rough, right? And then all of this work will have paid off. That's the method, right? Yeah, so, you know, I guess the takeaway is that I don't feel bad about reading all of this stuff, but uh, I would really feel bad for someone who was reading it uh, for, like, uh, legitimate reasons. Yeah, for pleasure, not for not for legitimate reasons like research. Yeah, if you read uh, something like Uzagi-chan as recreation... Um, like, you shouldn't do that. That's on you, and you should really feel bad about it. Seek out professional help, like... I know Come I said on. this was a safe space, but uh, I'm going back on that. This is no. This, this is absolutely a place of judgment. This is a safe place for us, not for you. Yeah, no, no. we are we are we are admitting our own faults, but like we're heavily judging you. Yes, absolutely. Just, and you can assume that going forward from here, that that is true. Uh, <laughs> you're still our best friend, though. I don't want to make it. Uh, I don't want to alienate you. You're still our best friend. We love you. Uh, I'm so glad that you're hanging out with us. We have a real actual connection to you. We're actually friends. And friends kind of rib each other a little bit, right? You know, it's kind of a little bit of a, a light, playful ribbing. Um, but it's you a should, bonding experience. Yeah, you should probably seek help if you actually enjoy that shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, I'm just playing around with you, bro. I'm just playing around. Come on. Uh, I this you know is, we got a lot of love for you, bro. This is really draining. Thinking about the the giant breasts is making me sad. Uh, let's take another break and then uh, we'll come back and <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll do. You, do you want to talk about anime? Yeah, yeah. I think we should talk about some okay. anime. That's probably All right. good. All right, let's take a break. Welcome back, to Anime Death Spiral. We were just talking about some stuff that made us feel bad for reading it. Remy, tell me what uh, you're excited about coming up in the spring season. Well, I'm really excited about reading some cartoons 
that are coming up in the spring 2023 season. Are you excited for the spring 2023 season, Nate? Uh, I am woefully unprepared for the spring season. What's coming out? What should I be on the lookout for? You are not excited. You have no interest because you're ignorant. You're an ignorant person. Uh, but that's okay. It's true. My ignorance, uh, I swim in it like a like a fish yeah. upstream. But uh, ignorance is no excuse of the law, but I am here to enlighten you. Because honestly, after a, a really disappo- a weirdly disappointing season this last season, whose supposed highlights were going to be like that new Trigun show, um, which I honestly could not stand even three episodes of. I had to bail. I'm really so- sorry to my man's Vash. But that shit sucked. It was really bad. Well, you see, I saw that they gave the character Millions Knives a million knives, and I was out. <laughs> Look, that's surface-level shit. I hate it for completely other reasons, <laughs> like way more legitimate reasons, but but that is also not good. Uh, there was that, there was the other big thing was like that, um, that Nier Automata show, but when somebody told me it was basically the game, it was like, bro... Part of the game is playing the game five or six times in a row. I don't... I'm so burnt out on that shit. So I skipped it. Maybe it's good. I don't know. You tell me, best friend. You tell me if it was good or not. But, man, we are rebounding like crazy because this next season is fucking stacked. Check this shit out. Okay, hey, actually, hold on. Can uh, Can we make a little game out of this? You tell me what you're excited about in the season with a pitch. You oh, pitch shit. it to me, and I'll tell you whether I'd watch it or not. Okay, okay. All right. Well, let's let's get the, the ones I'm excited about then. Okay. Okay. So let me, let me tell you, um, do you like ninjas? Oh, I love ninjas. Okay. What about ninjas that can set themselves on fire, like on command? Into it. Into Fuck, it. Pretty badass, right? Now, yeah. what, do you, what do you think about, uh, like, crazy islands covered with monsters? I love them. Okay, so what if those two things were like combined into a super slick, very smartly put together shonen package. Uh, I'd say that's a hot ticket. Yeah. Well, uh, Jigo Kuraku Hell's Paradise is going to kick ass. I mean, that should sell you on its own, but I will say that I have also read this entire thing uh, pro- probably twice. Uh, it's really good. Uh, most shonen, you know, after you read a lot of them, I think you could agree. Like, even fans of the genre kind of know. Uh, what you're getting into, but uh, you you will not you will not see the shit coming uh, in Hell's Paradise. It, it feels, despite sticking pretty close to the shonen genre tropes, it feels completely fresh. It is energized in a way uh, that I haven't felt uh, about uh, a shonen a, like a really long time. It just fucking rules. Um, and that's that starts April first. April first. We're so close. You sure that's not a trick? I, I uh, could be. I mean, you know, ninjas are always trying <laughs> to get you. It's funny because now it's like Naruto's dead, and now Hell's Paradise rises from the ashes. This is great. I'm so stoked. See, what I'm really hoping, this is actually, Hell's Paradise has been on my radar because you gave, uh, a while ago, you gave me like a, a one-chapter challenge for a bunch of different titles, and this yes. was one of them, and it made my list. I really liked the one chapter that I read, so... I'm just about to go back in for more now that I've heard about the anime. And I'm what I'm really hoping is to get like this to be the follow-up to Naruto. I want the way that Jujutsu Kaisen was the follow-up to Bleach that I wanted. Yes. Oh, you know what? That is 
actually a really apt comparison. I think, um, yeah, that's. I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised for real. Okay, uh, cool. And you know what? Now that you uh, mentioned it, it. Uh, at some point, maybe we should give the the audience a, a one chapter challenge. I think that would be fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you guys would love that. I think people let's, love homework. Yeah, so let's let's move on here. Uh, we and April eighth, we're getting the Mashley anime. Now, what if I told you um, about a sort of uh, a kind of a Harry Potter magic school that like doesn't suck? There's no uh, slavery or uh, weird transphobia shit. Um, it's just mostly like gags about like shonen magic duels. Uh, I would say that that's called My Hero Academia. <laughs> okay, well, what if I also told you that the Harry Potter in this world is the only person in the entire world who can't use magic? Uh, okay, yeah, sure. That's, uh, that's, that's a good one. All right, I'd all watch right. one episode of that. Sure, and wh- hold on. What if I told you also that he is forced by the government to enroll and become the, the, the valedictorian of magic school or they'll kill him? Uh, I'd say they got some weird priorities uh, yeah. in that uh, in that governing body. A little strange. I, I, yeah, it seems kind of ruthless to me uh, for a, for a gag manga. But okay, what? And here's the final piece. He is so physically fit, his physical prowess comes across as magic. Muscle wizard. Muscle I'm wizard. I'm into it. Okay. Hell yeah. Okay, you you got me in with that last one. Yeah, uh, I'd watch that. Muscle wizardry. It's very cool. There's another one I've been reading. We Okay, so that one's great. Let's move on. We've got a couple more here that I'm actually excited about, uh, which is really surprising, like I said. Next one up, we have Osamu Ranking. Now, uh, this is King's Rank. We had the first season uh, a little while ago, um, and I absolutely adored it. I hadn't read this one. I had just watched it, and it like immediately captured my heart. I fucking love the shit out of it uh, i saw this talked about it won some awards from the Crunchyroll uh anime awards a couple weeks ago I but i don't did. really know anything about it what's the pitch me okay so hit me dog what if i told you um that the there was a, a series of kingdoms and all the kings competed um for the top ranking in the king's ranking list okay it, that sounds like you're up <laughs> okay what if i also told you that uh the king of one particular country dies and his only son his his eldest son is the son of a giant and uh is born deaf and uh he's pretty unruly he tends to run around on the grounds naked he does whatever he wants people have a really hard time dealing with him because it's sort of a old-timey medieval-y setting and uh medieval-y people aren't uh, particularly good about deaf people um so they kind of leave sure. him to his to his devices he's a very wild uh wild prince but his wild princeliness uh meets up with um a sentient shadow who decides okay uh after some hijinks that he is going to make our deaf our wild deaf prince into the best king there has ever been. Uh, yeah, okay. I'd um, I'd watch one episode of that. Yeah, hijinks ensue. Also, it's one of the most gorgeous and unique art styles um, that is currently available in like currently running anime. Like it looks like nothing else, and it is insanely beautiful. Well, those are always pluses, you know. Uh, yeah. 
uh, being unique is is a, a talent in and of itself. Uh, you know, at a time where like anime is sort of converging animation wise, uh, it, it's uh, for me at least it's a huge selling point. All right, what else you got? Let's see. Okay, so talking about uh, this kind of ties in with what we were just talking about, but Boku no Kokoro no Yabayatsu, the dangers in my heart. This is another one that I have been reading for quite a long time. This is basically what we are talking about. Uh, outgoing girl gets involved with like shy boy. The twist here is that at the beginning of the series, the the kid kind of his he he kind of dissociates from the rest of his class um, because he 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 finds it hard to relate, and he starts expressing himself by like hyping himself up as like a serial killer. He's like, oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna be the I'm the the baddest dude. He, I mean, it's bad to say that that's this way, but he kind of like thinks of himself as a potential school shooter, until he meets this girl who like shows interest in him, and uh, she basically completely destroys his sense of self, and it's it done it in an incredibly charming way. Uh, and one of the nice twists here is uh, he's really short and she's really tall. Which I just find, you know, that's it's not even the most unique concept. There are other romantic comedies that are about short boy, tall girl. Uh, but I find it really charming here. Um, and the way he develops feels... He, he is, <laughs> you, uh, you you mentioned the, the tall girl, short guy thing, and a million ears just perked up. They're not even <laughs> listening to us right now. They just, they sensed it. Uh, the shockwave went out, and they're like, us, yeah. us. I just felt tingly. It's great. I really like short guy, tall girl. I think it's a cool concept. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like uh, candy for me. Um, it's just cute. <laughs> but this one I really like because unlike the ones we were talking about, we really get a lot of uh, character building and internality with the boy. Like he is, he doesn't, he doesn't just fill in a silhouette of the 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 quote unquote boy. He has thoughts and feelings and he develops as a character and it's not just this like outgoing girl bouncing shit off of him so that we can feel like oh oh she's flirting with me oh I could be that boy she's flirting with me no he's like a he's like a real character and and she is too she has lots of personality quirks and they exist in a context that reacts to their decisions and isn't super insular. Uh, You know, it's not like a world that has shrunk down to two people, which can happen a lot in romantic comedies. Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, their, their progression isn't a straight line and it deals a lot with the insecurities that comes with being a teenage boy who is falling in love for the first time. It like really kind of uh, uh, confronts those feelings in, in a way that I feel is emotionally honest in a way that a lot of the other uh, romantic comedies uh, just completely fail to uh, capture. Just with murder. Like he wants to be a murderer. Uh, yeah, he thinks he's like, he thinks he's really dark and edgy. Sure. Yeah. And well, so, who didn't? Yeah. And so his whole who thing Who didn't is, in middle school? Yeah. And, and he confuses... He starts obsessing with the girl at first because he thinks that he wants to kill her. He thinks like, oh, I'm thinking about her all the time. It must be because like I want her to be my first victim. And then like they interact and it just, it just completely blows apart his sense of self uh, in a really great way. I really like it. I really like the comic anyway. We'll see how the anime turns out. 
All right. Uh, I'll I'd watch I'd watch an episode with the possibility of more. Okay. Okay. Well, there's a lot of shows coming up, but let me just do two more really quick. Sure. Okay. So the next one is a, another comic that I've been following for quite a while. This one is really, really interesting. Another one uh, where it really banks uh, first and foremost on having a very unique and confident art style, at least you know in the comic. Can't, can't say about the anime yet. Uh, this one is called Tengoku Daimakyo, Heavenly Delusion. And this one is about a boy who is uh, seeking out... It, uh, his sister um, and he's traveling with a girl who is uh, quote unquote his bodyguard and mm-hmm. while he's searching and they're kind of traveling through this like semi post-apocalyptic world that's filled with uh, kind of unexplainable kaiju-ish things uh, they're not quite kaiju they're kind of more uh, psychedelic than that in a weird way Okay. Uh, they're kind of traveling through this world and experiencing strange things as it happens. And and while this is happening, we're also experiencing this kind of dual narrative about these very odd children who exist within this walled garden um, that they think is a school, um, but they're clearly being kind of uh, studied and experimented on because they seem to be manifesting strange powers. And sure. We uh, you know classic. Uh, yeah, and and in a in a really interesting way, uh, the we start noticing parallels in these stories, and they start kind of converging in, in interesting and strange ways. And it's a lot of mystery, so I don't want to get too too into it. Uh, this is another one where it's like I I can't explain too much because like it becomes a lot about the interplay of the mysteries and the character development um, and the relationship between these character these kids and and this these this pair that are searching through the wasteland, the quote unquote wasteland. Or, or whatever and it it is it really really satisfying it's written in an incredibly confident way uh the characters are fantastic the world isn't uh is a is a post-apocalyptic world but not that kind that that is like overly nihilistic and cruel it has both uh heartwarming and and kind of an, uh, that cruel edge to it in a, in a way that feels very honest um, and so, I know in a way that I feel like post-apocalyptic worlds sometimes aren't uh, and uh, suffer for it. All right. Um, that Actually, that sounds pretty cool. I'm into that. I'd watch yeah. that. It's called uh, Heavenly Delusion in English, I guess. I would actually never heard the English name for that. But very, very cool. I think uh, I'd absolutely give that a shot. And, All uh, right, the, will do. The final one that I can see on this list. Uh, now, this one I'm a little less confident about. Uh, but I like maybe a little more on the uh, guilty pleasure side, uh, especially after all the shit I talked about uh, Isekai's. The Dead Mount Death Play, one of the worst names uh, in manga, but uh, check this shit out. What if I told you that there was a necromancer? Okay. What do you think about that? Into what it. What if I told you that he became like extremely powerful and the kingdom had to send out crazy like magic knights to kill this necromancer, right? All right. Okay. I'm following All along. Right. And uh, in the last seconds before he dies, he basically like sends out a crazy curse, the necromancer curse. All right. All right. Now smash cut to... 12-year-old boy walking down the street. Wild-eyed teenage girl appears behind him and does the nothing personnel kid to him, slitting his throat. 
really in a really violent way <laughs> like uh inappropriately violent uh blood spray kind of way but guess what as opposed to the polite ways to slit someone's throat well sometimes you know sometimes it just like is like a cut and they fall to the ground and die but this is like a very violent a very violent death but what if i told you he doesn't die in fact when he opens his eyes he's the necromancer okay whoa he's that that necromancer now he's in our world and he's in the body of this dead kid isn't that crazy Uh, more isekai stuff okay you're losing me reverse isekai reverse isekai it's been done it's been done it's uh i realize this is a harder sell what if i told you he's called the corpse god does that do anything uh, that is, yeah, that does a little bit for me. I like that. It's kind of death metal in that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what if I told you that he like immediately like murders this girl by sending, uh, like 12 feet long, uh, skeleton arms directly through her torso? Uh, I'd say call up Tarantino. <laughs> and then, uh, immediately resurrects her to be his, uh, like dead slave. Uh, I I don't know. To me, from an outsider perspective, that seems like a little bit of a uh, we're going into try hard territory. I'm willing to admit it. It definitely kind of strays into that territory sometimes. I'm I'm very much enjoying the manga, even though it's stalled out a little bit right now. Uh, the danger of running too long, you know. Um, but that's that's Dead Mount Death Play. It's uh, probably you know who knows. This is one of those things where it could be like absolute disaster on the animation level because it's an it's an isekai you know um but uh like i i've been really enjoying the world that they've set up uh and i love necromancers i'm a sucker for necromancers man you do love those necro boys i love necros i'm just all about necromancers since since diablo 2 i have been a necromancer guy <laughs> um full on no regrets uh all right well oh that is what's coming up in the spring season that you're excited about wow you got some stuff to keep an eye on there uh i think uh i think we're gonna be coming out of a long and lonely winter we're gonna watch uh, we're, we're gonna watch some anime isn't that crazy uh, I'm gonna go read some anime. I may watch some manga while we're I, while I'm I, at it. I I think for for uh, for the first time in a little bit, I'm I'm gonna be watching some anime. That's crazy, yeah. man. They got me. They got me back in. Wow. Sucked you back in. April season, baby. Anime. Let's fucking do this shit. <laughs> anime gang. Let's do it. <laughs> oh boy. All okay, right. you've had enough, sir. All right, all right. Thanks for joining us, best friend. I'm so glad you came and hung out with us. I think this was a really. It's good always time. good. I, I I really appreciated your input, best friend. Um, you had yeah, a lot of, love lot, hearing your voice. Yeah, a lot of really interesting things to say about the things we were saying. I think that's always great. And, uh, maybe next time we'll actually talk about uh, watching uh, uh, an anime. What do you, What do you think about that? You think we'll maybe watch an anime between here and now? Uh, I think I think we'll watch some anime. I definitely uh, want to get into. I need to catch up on those Fooly Cooly sequels that came out a few years ago. Uh, that's been a tender spot for me, and I think it's uh, finally time to confront it. Um, so that's what I plan on on watching in the meantime. Okay. All right. Well. Look forward to that. We maybe will watch the Fooly Cooly anime and uh, maybe talk about it. Talk about some anime. Until next time, dear All listener. Right. Bye. Bye.
some point, I'll uh, we'll write a we'll write an outro. There's got to be something. <laughs>